welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey Kingdom Culture, happy Sunday. Welcome to our online experience. So good to see you on here. If you're part of our online community, if you're living abroad or not able to come back in person, so glad that you are here with us online. Make sure to share the broadcast. Make sure to comment. Let us know how we can pray for you, support you. Email us. Let us know what's going on in your world. We'd love to stay connected with you, even if you're not coming in person to our live experience. But I'm excited. You know, we just ended up or ended uh, a series called Peace after several weeks. It was an incredible teaching series on how to to really manifest peace from within, understanding the, what, the, what the peace of God is, what the peace of God does for our spiritual lives. If you haven't listened to any of those messages, I would encourage you to go back and uh, listen and watch. I know it will strengthen your faith journey. Today, we're going to shift gears a little bit. And I'm going to do a little bit of a teaching, so get your notes out, and we're going to dive into scripture a little more deeply today, but I'm going to jump around, so I'm not going to, you know, uh, exegetically break down one specific passage or area of scripture, but we are going to jump around, but it's going to be a lot, so track with me today. Like I said, get out your notes. I want to open up with John chapter 3, verse 3. Probably a verse that many of you have heard before. And Jesus is talking to, really, he's talking to a Pharisee, a Jewish leader, a very well-respected Jewish leader named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was actually coming to Jesus in dark, in the dark, in secret, didn't want any of his comrades to know because they would not be happy. And he was inquiring about Jesus. And he makes this statement and says, like, you know, you must be sent from God because of the evidence that's coming from you with all these miraculous signs. And Jesus's response to that statement wasn't even really to engage the statement specifically. He says this in John chapter three, verse three, which really was an invitation to Nicodemus. It wasn't really a response. It was an invitation to Nicodemus to come and experience the same thing. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, speaking about Nicodemus, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, the word is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You've heard it said, unless you are born again, you will not be saved. We're not talking about coming out of your mom's womb a second time. We're talking about literally being born from above, born of the spirit. When you were first born, you were born technically in the image of Adam. 
the image of Adam, the first man who sinned, lost everything. We were born into that state of iniquity. But thank Jesus that he gave his life to reconcile us back to God by breaking the chain of that iniquity that we were born into. So now Jesus comes, he's called the second Adam, to break that chain. And so then when that chain is broken, as the Bible declares that we are born again. Now we're born uh, uh, from above. I, I kind of liken the illustration to when you're first born, your spirit, because it's your spirit that is reborn and it's your soul that is saved. Your soul is not reborn. It's your spirit, okay? Your spirit is who is united with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places, places. Ephesians chapter one, verse 20. You're seated with him in heavenly places. How? By the spirit. Romans eight, verse 16 says that it's his spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. What confirms our identity is our spirit union with him. Okay, so that's how we're connected. Our soul, as we know, is made up of our mind, will, and emotions. Our soul really is what makes you you, what makes you tick, your affections, your desires, the things that you long for in life, what makes you you, your personality. That is your soul. Your soul is saved and is constantly being renewed day by day. In other words, your spirit is perfected in Christ. Okay, and our soul is continuing to catch up to who we are in spirit to who we were always destined to be, adopted as sons. Remember, it says in Romans 8, 16, it's his spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So our soul, our mind, will, and emotions is constantly catching up to who we are in spirit, united as one, perfected in Christ. That's why Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans chapter 12, because as we renew our thinking into who we really are, we are constantly catching up and renewing our perspective back to to where we sit in heavenly places with Christ. Okay, that was a mouthful, I know. So here we get to, Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This word for see literally means to perceive or experience, to spiritually experience the kingdom, to see and experience, become aware of, of the kingdom. There is an element of future tense as well. There is a, an element of eternity at play here, but it's also an invitation to now, to now see and experience the kingdom of God, to unlock what was always destined to be unlocked within you. Unless you are born again, it will not happen. An awareness of another world comes into play when we surrender our lives to the God of another world. This is the kingdom of God. This is what we're talking about today. The kingdom of God. So I want to speak on this subject and we're going to we're going to expound on this over the next I think several weeks. I don't know how long it's going to go. It's not going to be an official series, but I really feel from the Lord that we are to to go deep in this area in the next several weeks. It could be a month, could be two months, who knows. But really diving deep into seeking an understanding of the kingdom. What is the kingdom that Jesus talked so much about? So we're talking today about understanding the kingdom. I almost called this Kingdom 101 because I'm going to go through some of the fundamentals, the basics, a basic understanding which so many people, believers in Christ, do not even have. And so I, I really want to see some good understanding established over the next little while here at Kingdom Culture for both our online community and our live in-person community. And we're going to be really pivoting, like I said, and pressing on into this important subject of the kingdom. There are two kingdoms colliding 
at play. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. They are colliding. There is a collision consistently happening. Even though we know by the promise of Jesus and his crucifixion that all the kingdom of darkness was dismantled in authority at the cross. He made a public spectacle, according to Colossians, of all of the, the powers of darkness. And it was all, all stripped of its authority at the cross. But we know there is this wrestle for us to forget who we are and whose we are. Therefore, there is this clash continuing to happen. Because of the fall of man, we had given, or we had given, so when Adam sinned, we gave over our keys. Pretend your keys being the symbol of authority, the ability to unlock and open and bind and loose. The keys had been lost, in a sense, because of sin. We gave over the kingdom of darkness authority. We gave authority over to the serpent when we said, okay, I'm not going to listen to God, but I'm going to listen to the temptation of the enemy. But Jesus died. This is the good news. He died so we could repossess it. He even introduced that to Peter. And I believe it was Matthew chapter 16. He said, you, to you has been given the keys of the kingdom. For whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, you will have the ability to know what already has been loosed in heaven, to know what already has been bound in heaven. And so whatever you do on the earth, it will simply just mirror what's already been done. Because remember, the work of the cross, it is finished. It's done. Jesus said in John 19, it is finished. It's done. The work of salvation is done. Therefore, we live from a heavenly perspective as born again, so we can live from heaven to earth, not living from earth to heaven. I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but track with me here. It's so un it's so important that we understand these truths and principles. They guide our prayer. They guide our perspectives. They guide our lifestyle. They guide how we do what we do, our purpose, our future, our families, our careers, everything is guided from how we perceive God and how we perceive the kingdom. We want and need to understand how to bring God's kingdom rule into our lives. The kingdom is supposed to have rule and reign in our lives. And we need to understand what this looks like and how this transpires. And the New Testament records 137 references to the kingdom. And over 100 of these are actually during Jesus' ministry. Jesus came with a message of the gospel of the kingdom, okay? The gospel of the kingdom. We're diving into this a little bit today. And as an itinerant, when I first started out, before I was ever even a pastor, this message, like, was everything to me. I think... Everywhere I went, like the, the kingdom was the focus. I mean, hence the name Kingdom Culture. This was not a church. Kingdom Culture was an itinerant organization before it ever even had a church. Kingdom Culture was everything. And when we would go onto the street, that was the premise. Like, what does it look like to see kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, touch the culture, touch the street, touch the earth, touch the workplace, touch the gas stations, the grocery stores, the restaurants, everywhere we would be outside of the four walls of the building we call church, what does it look like for the kingdom to touch down? This was the message. This was the MO. This was the mission, training the body of Christ to understand the value of what kingdom is supposed to look like. So number one, write this down. Let's talk about what is the kingdom. What is the kingdom? Now remember, several weeks ago when we first started talking about peace, 
I read this verse when I preached out of this verse, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we know the kingdom of God. I mean, it's, it's, there's, there, you, you can't just isolate one scripture. But I love this because we have righteousness, which is, which is justice, which is right standing with God, understanding whose we are, understanding how whose we are plays out in living in our lifestyle. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness is always partnered with the kingdom. That's why in Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus said these words, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you because you cannot seek the kingdom without understanding righteousness. They are partnered. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms that righteousness and justice are the foundation of God's throne. So when you seek the kingdom, you have to understand the value and the connection between righteousness. You cannot seek the kingdom without its righteousness, okay? So righteousness and justice and, uh, and the kingdom are partnered together. Obedience, humility, and total reliance on God plays a big role in living out the kingdom on earth. This is what we're talking about. What does it look like, like, like to live out a kingdom life on the earth? The Bible says in Matthew, out of one of the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not poor, naturally poor, but poor in spirit. Those that live a lowly, humility-driven, obedience-driven life. Because the definition, really biblical definition of humility is surrender, is obedience to Christ. Because it takes humility to surrender and be obedient when God asks you to do something and lay down your life when it's not convenient for you, it's not comfortable for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. So what does the kingdom refer to? Let's talk, let's break down this word in a second. What does the kingdom refer to? It's really God's sovereign rule in the universe. He is the king of the heavens. Read Genesis chapter one, verse one. He is the king over all, okay? In the beginning was God. He made it all, okay? He is the king of the heavens. It's God's sovereign rule in the universe. Now, to break it down a little further, the word kingdom, okay, means king's domain, the surrounding area in which the king of kings lives, God himself, the very dominion and rule of the king, also known as the kingdom of heaven. And when you read the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, you don't see the the word kingdom of God in there. It's kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, which is synonymous with kingdom of God because he, he was respecting the Jewish uh, people because in that culture, to reference the name God so much was considered irreverent. So he wrote it, write it as the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God. But they're synonymous with one another. But really, I want us to understand this. It means the king's domain. I have this word kingdom in my office. You can see it just there to my left. And I sometimes I lay I lay down when I'm praying and I just stare at the word kingdom. And I stare at the word kingdom and I stare at the first part of that word, and I, I just focus on the word king. My eyes always go to king, the king. There is no kingdom without a king. There is no domain of a kingdom without a king. And the king stands first and foremost. There would be no kingdom without a king. There'd be no kingdom. There'd be no king without a kingdom. You have to have a kingdom to be a king. And I just stare at this, at this word king, and I just... It just reminds me that I have an amazing king. His name is Jesus. 
He is the top dog. He is the best. There's no greater God than him. And he stands strong on his throne, on his throne in a place of rule. And it's his desire to let that rule live through me, to live through you. And I just meditate on that sometimes. I'm like, God, you are the king. Jesus, you are the king of the kingdom. I want your kingdom. But to have your kingdom, I want your kingly rulership to be the forefront of my life. I want you to be leading my life. I want you to be the master of my life, the guide over my life. And I just focus on the king. To, to experience the kingdom, we have to focus on the king, okay? But at the same time, remember this. When Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom, you cannot separate the kingdom from the king. When you seek the king, you are seeking the kingdom. When you seek the kingdom, you are seeking the king because they go together. They are hand in hand. This is the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6, chapter or chapter 6, verse 9. says this, in this manner, Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's not talking about one day when you die. He is giving the invitation to the disciples right now, in this moment, that when you pray, invite the realm, the rule, the sovereign rule of the kingdom in your midst right now, as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, which essentially like literally means, based upon the verb and the mood of this tense, your kingdom come, literally means, Father, let your kingdom come here and now. Let it come here and now. Let us witness the evidence of what's happening right now in heaven. He says, as it is in heaven, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because there are things that are already happening right now in heaven. Our goal as believers in Jesus is to pray that whatever is happening in heaven right now literally touches earth. That is the goal of people. It's so funny. So many people have this verse in their fridge and have no idea what it means. Next time you look at the verse on your fridge, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, remember that Jesus is inviting you to see heaven invade your moment, heaven invade your scenario, heaven invade your circumstance, heaven invade your family, your household, right now, your career, your business, right now. It's an invitation for the here and now. If you think about the kingdom, what do you think about? What's happening in heaven right now? Well, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no sorrow, no depression, no death, no poverty, no devil. Nothing that has come as a result of sin entering the world. The kingdom of God is a health, prosperity, wholeness. It's the sick are healed. So if none of these things exist in the realm of the kingdom, Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, pray this way, that all those things would no longer be because when heaven comes, those things have to leave because they don't exist in the kingdom. They don't exist in heaven. This is why we have a promise of healing, because it's been done. So we contend and we believe and we position ourselves for those promises to be, be, be fulfilled. How? Because we're asking heaven to invade our earth, heaven to invade our life. This is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, okay? Very important that we understand this. And it's not just God, like I said earlier, like when you seek the kingdom, like it's everything in the kingdom. It's not just God, but all his stuff. It's his splendor, his majesty. The angels are a part of the kingdom. Four living creatures, like we see in, described in the book of Revelation. 
things that are inexpressible that are not permitted to be told. Like Paul said, when he ascended to heaven, you can read it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he ascended to heaven, had a third heaven experience. He said, I went to the third heaven, had an experience, and there were things that he heard that he couldn't even express in, express in, word, in words. He heard and saw things that were not even permitted. He was not permitted to tell. They were probably so out there that if he said them, people would have thought he was a lunatic. You know, so this is the invitation that we're invited into to experience things that are beyond our understanding, to experience things that are beyond our logic. Anytime I've ever had an encounter like this, a heavenly encounter, it's always, it's always around things that go beyond my logic and my own reasoning. And my mind is always blown when somehow there's some form of a confirmation after the fact when I thought I was going crazy and I'm having this encounter with God and I'm seeing something and then I either I see it in scripture, I didn't even know it was there, or someone prophesies over me the same word this happened. Like there's so many times in my life when I've had a heavenly encounter, someone or somehow God has confirmed that that heavenly encounter was in fact legit. And not that we need to have always, you know, with all the, you know, always somebody come and tell us that something we're experiencing is legit, but when it happens, it's so affirming and so encouraging. And Bill Johnson says it like this, when God's kingdom is released as it is in heaven, the superior kingdom drives out the inferior. Remember this, that the kingdom you live within right now, okay, is an inferior one. The kingdom that your spirit as a born again believer dwells in, abides in right now is a superior one. And when the kingdom is released as it is in heaven, when you see heaven around you, it's simply the superior one driving out the inferior one. This is so important because the kingdom actually looks like something. First Corinthians chapter four, verse 20, Paul is encouraging the, 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 the believers at Corinth he says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Why? Matthew 6. When as it is in heaven hits the earth, you're going to see things happen and shift. Like I said, no depression, no sickness, no disease, all these things, they don't exist in heaven. So when heaven invades the earth, that used to be our, actually, that used to be our slogan, uh, with kingdom culture back in the day was his kingdom invading our culture. His kingdom invading our culture. When his kingdom literally invades our circumstance, everything changes. It looks like power. It looks like real bona fide, powerful evidence that there's something beyond our natural world. So the kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power. And then he goes on to say, Paul said, for if if it was, your faith, it really says this, he says so that your faith may not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Paul's saying, listen, I don't want your faith to be on logic, faith to be on reason, on man's wisdom, because it's about power. I want your faith to be in something that goes beyond anything that you can rationalize. It's about power. First Thessalonians, Paul also wrote to the church at Thessalonica, in one of his earliest writings, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, for the gospel, our gospel, did not come to you in word only, but also in power. That word for power is dunamis, explosive, dynamite working power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. 
This was one of his earliest, this is one of Paul's earliest letters. And he's focusing in on, it's not coming to you just in word only, in teaching only, but in power. And he says it's the gospel. What gospel? The gospel of the kingdom of God, which we're going to get into in a second, which Jesus refers to over and over again. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus was the door to the kingdom. He was the message. Like I said, we can't just talk about the kingdom. We need to live in and experience his kingdom on earth here and now. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, Ask, or sorry, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. We need the power of God, not just in word, but for the purpose of being an example. If we're called to be ambassadors, if we're citizens of heaven, like the Bible calls us, then we are called to represent him to the world. So to be a witness, we have to have the power of God, understanding that we are kingdom representatives, understanding that when heaven invades the earth, we are able to do what we've always been called to do, and that's love the world around us, but not in word only, in power, in power. When I first started to travel, I kind of mentioned this earlier as an itinerant, like, my understanding of the kingdom and how that translated into power grew exponentially for me. When I left Canada, and sometimes you have to get out of your bubble sometimes to to really learn new things. And it's not because um, anything's wrong with where you are, but I was on a learning journey. I moved to Minnesota and lived there for about a year and a half, traveled around, and then I did some other trips and went overseas. And in the beginning of my journey, uh, it was so crucial, but I think the message of recognizing the voice of God and how that connected with kingdom living was the message for me. It was everything for me, and it changed my life, and I grew exponentially in it. When I would go to the street, when I would do, go to the bar, go to the club, and go to the coffee shop, or wherever I was, and you know, just be outside with people, like uh, to invite, to learn how to invite heaven into the moment, was my focus. I was saying to somebody uh, just last week or some people that the first two years of my journey, I mean, they were crazy. Like I I didn't watch movies for like two years. I didn't watch any media for like two years. I was just like hardcore. I'm not saying that you're a bad person if you watch movies. You know, I watch movies today, but there was a season of my life where I needed to detox myself from everything, from all things media. Maybe you should do that right now, <laughs> all things media. And it was the best of seasons. It was challenging. You know, you, you kind of create some wedges between some of your friends, of course. And, you know, there's a little bit of legalism mixed in there. And I was on a journey and I was learning. But the good part of it was is I was so focused on the kingdom. And, uh, and some of the things that we saw in that season were just absolutely incredible. And that's why I grew exponentially. I remember, you know, being in moments with like 700 junior high kids where I would witness the kingdom of God touching these kids like corporately at the same time and them having these crazy heavenly encounters. Junior high kids, wild. You can barely get their attention, yet they're having encounters with God for four to five hours. I remember one time in the South, like after this meeting, the, the service was over and these junior high kids were outside on the dirt, outside until like probably 11 o'clock at night, like encountering, I'm talking about encountering heaven in a real way. And in the beginning, it was like I was baptized into seeing the evidence of what heaven looks like when he comes. Now, of course, 
Heaven looks like peace, looks like joy. It's so many other things than what we just see. Heaven looks like Galatians 5 verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. But there's moments where you really see like a heightened awareness of like God is here. We know God is here. We know God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But then there's moments where we're like, wow, okay, God is here. It's like God is here. And there's moments where it's like, wow, God is here. You know, and it's in those moments you're introduced to the power of the kingdom in a whole new way. And I can tell you thousands of stories. Uh, but for the sake of time, we'll just tell you, let's say one little brief one. But number two, number two. So we have what is the kingdom? Number two, where is the kingdom of God? Well, first of all, it's not of this world. Let me take a little coffee break. It's not of this world. Jesus was in a conversation with Pilate before he was thrown into what I would call a committed crucifixion. Everyone was like, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate in his heart was trying to find a way to, to kind of let him go and, and, you know, help him escape the wrath of the religious people that were out to crucify him. And Pilate, the governor of Judah, uh, Judea, sorry, in John chapter 18, verse 36, they're in a conversation, uh, Pilate, with Jesus. Jesus answered Pilate and says this, my king, because he's asking, are you a king? Like, this is what they're charging. Are you a king? You're, you're claiming you're a king. They're saying that you're claiming to be a king. The son of God, like, are, are you a king? Like, I'm trying to, like, let you off here, bro. Like, help me out. And Jesus answered and says, my kingdom is not of this world. Because he actually says, I am a king. That's his response. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus made it very clear to Pilate that he was king. You can read the dialogue that he was king. But his kingdom was not a political kingdom that would threaten any earthly rule. Now remember, when Jesus came, like the religious people who had been waiting for the Messiah to come expected that Jesus would come to conquer Rome, that he would have a political agenda, so to speak. Jesus not, did not come with a political agenda. He came with a kingdom agenda. And this is why it's so important. It's like, it's why Jesus warned us in Mark, I believe it's Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, he's in the boat with the disciples. Or it could be chapter 6, don't quote me, but I think it's 8 or 6. But let's go with 8. And he's in the boat with the disciples and they are, they had just come out of some crazy experiences where God fed a whole bunch of people, twice actually. And they're, they're talking and Jesus says, beware of the leaven of Herod, which represents the political, humanism, rational, reasonable way to think. And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which represents the religion, the spirit of religion, you know, rules and regulations, tradition that exalts itself exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And he's uh, he's exposing these two leavens. Why? Because he talks about leaven, and leaven, when you know, will leaven the whole lump. A little bit of something eventually, when it gets in and has worked in the dough and worked in the spiritual dough of our lives, will eventually leaven the whole thing. So if you let reason, if you let if you, if you let all these things influence you, the spirit of the Herodian, the, the, the leaven of Herod, if you let that in, and I think this is a good word for all of us right now, if we forget that kingdom is number one, if kingdom is number one, we will win. But when the culture is ruling, when religion is ruling, the kingdom is no longer number one. As long as the kingdom is number one, we will fulfill the mandate on our life to touch every mountain of society that we are called to touch. But if it's reversed, we will lose over 
and over again. It's all about the kingdom. All about the kingdom. So, the, you know, the people wanted uh, a Jesus to come and conquer Rome. He didn't do that. He came to bring a message of the kingdom. Message of the kingdom. And, I mean, of course, Jesus in this context, when he said, my kingdom is not of this world, because if it was, they'd fight you. They'd be for me. Here's the thing. When you have a wrong perspective of something, you will fight for something that's not your battle to win. When you have a wrong perspective of something, you will fight for something that's not your battle to win. But because Jesus had a perspective of what his role was to represent the kingdom, he was the doorway of the kingdom. It didn't matter what anybody did to him. It was going to happen. He was following the plan of God. He was under another governmental rule. You know what? There is a government that we want to make sure we follow, and it's the government of heaven. It's the rule of heaven, the sovereign rule of heaven. Jesus, as a king, conducted himself based upon the ways of a heavenly government, of a heavenly government, because he was the heavenly government's ambassador, which is why as new covenant believers, we are called now ambassadors because we are citizens of Christ, citizens of heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are like Jesus representing the kingdom of another world. So important that we understand this. So where is the kingdom? Well, first of all, it's of another dimension, of another world. Now, continuing on this, it is also at hand. Matthew 3, verse 1 to 2. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, verse 2, and saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was proclaiming, he was proclaiming that Jesus as the doorway and representation of the kingdom was here. That word at hand means near. That meant, it means near, it means all around, it means available, it means accessible. Jesus became the doorway, the introduction to heaven on earth. The kingdom was near because the king was here. This is what John the Baptist was declaring. Matthew 10, verse 7 to 8. Jesus is commissioned to his disciples. As you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Once again, it's near, it's available, it's accessible. Verse 8, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons, freely have you have received, freely give. It's within our grasp is what at hand means, literally. At our grasp. And of course, it more specifically points to the coming of Jesus, who is the door for us to experience the kingdom of God in our lives. Now, I, I'm going to go on to say also where the kingdom is in a second. I'm going to continue to expand on this. But before we go there, there's a difference between what is around us and what is within us. Okay? You can feel the kingdom of God around you. Like I said earlier, there's moments where you're like, you're hyper aware that the kingdom is here. And then there are moments where it's simply just by faith, you know, based upon revelation, who God is, having a revelation. Revelation just means your eyes have been opened. You have an eye-opening revelation that God is truly omnipresent, representing the kingdom, and the kingdom is here. But it doesn't mean we still don't pray, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The difference is, as new covenant believers, now we become the conduits for that prayer to manifest because we are an ambassador. As ambassadors of Christ, we represent Matthew 6, the Matthew 6 prayer, very different now. We're not just praying for king, the kingdom to come. We're saying, God, let the kingdom come through me. 
Let the kingdom come be represented through me. Let me become the pipeline or the conduit, the container for the kingdom of God to be made manifest. That's why it's also introduced to us in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, where he says, now when he was asked Jesus by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, and he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. So we have this duality happening right now where the kingdom's within us, but it's also at hand. It's around us, but it's also within us, okay? And these are this is the introduction to what it would be like as new covenant believers now to become the conduits as co-laborers in Christ, co-heirs with Christ, the conduits for the kingdom. I hope you're tracking with me here. Let me give you an example of the kingdom within us. Mark chapter four, I preached this message several weeks ago. Chapter four, verse three to 41, in the boat, Jesus manifested the kingdom he was trying to manifest the kingdom at hand to them in the boat. But then he also manifested the kingdom within him by speaking to the storm. He simply released what was within, which was the kingdom. Romans 14, remember, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If peace is part of the kingdom, when he spoke the kingdom, when he spoke from within, he released the kingdom. And guess what happened? The storm was silenced. But he was also demonstrating the at-hand experience because he was the kingdom. He was at hand. The kingdom was literally within their grasp. He was right there in their boat. This is the goal of God for you, that the head heaven and the kingdom of God would be in your boat, in your life. The kingdom of God would be represented in your life. But there's this understanding that God wants to bring us into that both it's around us and within us. Around us and within us. Just like we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Okay, there's this duality happening here. So the spoken word can release the kingdom. John 6, verse 63, Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The words that Jesus spoke were not just mere words, empty, vain words. They were life because of where they came from. Because when you speak from within, from understanding whose you are and who you are, from a place of kingdom, the words you speak have the power of life. Proverbs 18 says that the power of life is in the, in the tongue. The power of death and life is in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. You have the ability to release heaven through your tongue, through your word. It says in Matthew 8, 16, when evening had come, they brought to him, Jesus, many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. How did he cast the spirits out? With a word. Where did that word come? From within. What was within? The kingdom. He came, cast them out with a word and healed all who were sick. But then we see it this way. Matthew 12, verse 28. But if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. You have this at hand around you experience. If I drive out a spirit by the spirit of God or a demon by the spirit of God, the kingdom of God, that's evidence that the kingdom of God has come upon you, okay? I remember one time years ago, I was teaching a school and uh, it was actually in Ottawa or actually it was a little outside of Ottawa and we were in this old church building and um, I remember we were, I was actually teaching on the kingdom. And this is the thing. When you release the kingdom, even through teaching, people can feel something happen in the atmosphere. Maybe right now, wherever you're watching, you actually feel 
like you, your your spirit's coming alive. You're like, ah, oh, I I, I want to go deeper in this. I want to understand this. I want to experience the kingdom. Like, I don't want to just tickle your eardrums this morning. I don't want to just encourage you nicely. I want to charge you with going deep in the spirit in this next season, with understanding the value of kingdom and how that plays a role in your career, your family, your relationships, and every area of your life. And so I was teaching on the kingdom. I was teaching on the kingdom, which kind of represents John 6, verse 33. I was literally giving words of life through teaching from a biblical foundation what kingdom life looks like. And as I was teaching, the atmosphere changed in the room. It was like the at-hand experience happened. It was being released from within because we are conduits, remember. We are the ambassadors. We are the ones who represent. And this young woman who had been bound up with demonic torment began to manifest and began to scream and begin. And it was like, I remember, you can ask some of the people in the room, it felt like the, uh, you could feel the, the, um, the building shake. Like the, the manifestation was so strong of like the collision between light and darkness, between the kingdom, the superior one and the inferior one. You could feel like this clash happening and it felt like the building shook. And I remember this, this, we had some of the, t- the team that was with us take this young woman down into the basement and you can hear her screaming from the basement as she began to get delivered because the kingdom came upon her and all the things within her that was inferior came to the surface. And uh, it gave, just gave me an opportunity to model what it looks like when the kingdom shows up in a more visible, tangible way. And this woman This young woman was uh, delivered and set free. Powerful, powerful story. That's the Coles Notes version. Lots more of that story happened. But anyways, number three. Number three, we have why is the kingdom? Last point. Why is the kingdom? Why do we need to understand this understanding or have understanding of the kingdom? Why is this so important? Because it's why the stuff that I just shared earlier happens. Without understanding the kingdom, we will not be able to facilitate the things that God wants us to facilitate as his kingdom people, as his kingdom representing or representers. Luke chapter 10, verse eight and nine, whatever city you enter and they receive you. Jesus is charged to the disciples, eat such things as are set before you and do what? Heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Why? Because when the sick are healed, it's an example of the kingdom of God has touched down in a powerful way. It's the as it is in heaven. It's the Matthew 6 prayer. When you heal the sick there, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Let them know what's really happening. So we need to understand kingdom. Why? Because the things that we're called to do, like heal the sick, cast out demons, you know, like the Bible says, cleanse the leper, all these different things, you know, preach the gospel to the poor, love the poor, love the widow. All these things are examples that the kingdom of God has come near. We see it again in Matthew 10, verse 7, 8. I already read this verse where Jesus says, go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely as you have received, freely give. Part of the message of the kingdom is to dish out what God's dished to you, to freely give as you freely received. None of these things are going to happen if we don't understand our role within the kingdom. So important. Matthew 9 verse 35. I told you I was going to read a lot of scripture today. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. This is the gospel of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom. And healing, what was the gospel of the kingdom? Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Healing every sickness 
and every disease among the people. So important. We don't have this stuff without understanding the role of the kingdom. Signs, miracles, healings are a confirmation of the word preached, bringing validity and credibility to the power behind it. Jesus' whole ministry was accredited to him by God through miracles, signs, and wonders. You ask, where is that? Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. Powerful. This is the evidence of the kingdom. This is why we need to understand its role in and through our lives. Luke chapter 10, verse 9. And heal the sick there and say to them, like I said earlier, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I want to echo this over and over again, like a broken record. The gospel of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom, understanding the kingdom is so important. Why? Because it allows us to move into the evidence of why the kingdom is so important to be preached and relayed and lived out in and through the believers in Jesus. I love it because there's a story, and I'm going to close with this, in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is, uh, or sorry, John the Baptist, Jesus' relative, who was the one who was saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is near, speaking of the coming king. John the Baptist is the one who baptized Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like, John the Baptist had this revelation that his relative, his cousin, was the Messiah. And yet now, years later, he is in prison. He's in prison. And he sends out some of his disciples to go talk to Jesus because now he's doubting. He's doubting. He's hearing... Jesus is hanging out with prostitutes and drunks and tax collectors and, and they love him and he's not understanding fully what's going on. He's not understanding that, you know, all these things are happening, like the demons are being cast out, le- lepers are being cleansed, you know, the sick are being made well, the blind hear, he, blind see, the deaf hear. He's not really getting all of that. That's not the message he came to bring. He came to prophesy the message that Jesus came to bring, but not fully understanding what that would look like. So now John the Baptist is kind of doubting a little bit. After he was the one who baptized Jesus and said, I'm not even worthy to get into your sandals. That's how crazy of a revelation John the Baptist had. And in Matthew chapter 11, John sends his two disciples to go talk to Jesus and to say, are you really the one? Like now I'm kind of questioning things. And says in verse two, and when John had heard When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or do we look for another? You can see the doubt here now all of a sudden. Maybe we've had doubts. Maybe God did not do the things we thought he was going to do, how we thought he was going to do them. And now we're doubting our own relationship with God. Maybe you're doubting friends in your in your friendship group or relationships they're not doing the things that you thought they were going to do or they don't believe the things they thought they believed and now it's fractured your relationship this is kind of the scenario right now jesus in verse 4 says to the disciples of john the baptist go and tell john the things which you hear and see the blind see and the lame walk the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear the dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preach to them. Why? Because the kingdom is a matter of seeing and hearing, not just hearing, 
seeing the evidence. Unless you are born again, John chapter 3, verse 3, we opened up with this. Unless you are born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. So many of us have thought the kingdom's all about what we hear. We come to church, we hear a good message, we hear encouragement, and we go about our day. No, the kingdom is about what we see and hear. The kingdom is about evidence. The kingdom is about power. It's not a matter of talk, but of power. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. Not a matter of talk, but of power. This is the role. This is why we're digging deep in this next season. We need a power encounter in this season with God. You don't want to live your life just knowing a bunch of stuff about God. You want to live your life knowing who God really is because you've experienced the life transformation of that experience in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Wherever you are right now, my prayer is that you would experience the kingdom in your life right now, that you would experience on earth as it is in heaven, that that prayer magnet on your fridge that maybe you've had for years, that has the Lord's prayer on it, that you would really understand it at a whole new level, a whole new level in Jesus' name. So God, I pray right now, wherever they're watching from, listening from, after the fact or live, that God, you would reveal to them the power of heaven in this season, the power of heaven, that they would experience something so real would blow their mind, God. Maybe they've listened to today and they're like, man, it was just, it was too much, too much information. God, I pray that you'd bypass all of that right now and you just go to the heart and reveal your love, reveal your joy, reveal your peace, reveal your righteousness and reveal the signs and wonders of heaven to their life. I pray for an overwhelming sense of just strength coming to their body, their spirit right now, their soul. That I pray for healing to be released right now because healing is a byproduct of heaven touching ground in your life. God, I pray for healing, the healing of emotions, the healing of the body right now. God, just release healing in Jesus' name. God, I pray right now, wherever they're watching from, that God, from, from today forward, for the next seven days, I'm believing for the next seven days, God, that you're going to show, like, you're going to show them moments where heaven has invaded their life. You're going to help them to see when heaven is invading their life because the kingdom is about seeing and hearing. And so I pray that they would see in the next seven days, heaven touching ground, heaven touching earth, heaven touching their life in Jesus' name. Amen. God, I thank you. That after this day, God, there's going to be a newness of thinking, a newness of believing. God, a new understanding, a deeper understanding of the kingdom in their lives in a powerful way. The kingdom is not a matter of talk, but of power, power, explosive power. And I pray that this would be the season where your power would be made known. And in the midst of all kinds of other powers being misused or misguided or, or you know, all kinds of chaos in the world right now. God, we need an encounter with your power in this season. And so I pray that you would just baptize us in your power in this season, in this moment, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, Kingdom Culture. Hope that encouraged you. Can't wait to see you in person if we're going to see you sometime soon as well. Don't forget, next week we're coming at you. We're going to dive a little bit deeper. Love you, Kingdom Culture. Have an amazing Sunday.